And it is so good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. What a powerful message in song by the quartet, as well as the song that was sung earlier. The reason I took my jacket off, we thought maybe that the jacket was part of the issue. Uh, but then we realized it wasn't the jacket after all, it's just the microphone. And so, uh, you know, so that seems to be the problem this morning. So you pray for me as I will try to preach uh, with one hand free. And if you've seen me preach, you know that's going to be quite challenging today. <laughs> I don't know how I'll do it. Maybe I'll throw it up and, and catch it on the way down. We'll just see how it all works out, okay? Uh, you know that I could be just a little bit animated at times, and as a result of that, it can be challenging on me to try to figure out exactly what to do with this microphone I'm holding in one hand. But I promise you, in the grace of God, we're going to make it today. Aren't you so grateful that Jesus Christ overcame death, hell, and the grave for you and I today? Amen? That's something to be, you know, that's something to be excited about today. It says they overcame him by the power of the blood in their testimony. I hope you can say today that you have a testimony. You know, a testimony is nothing more than a story about when you met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm reminded of the story that is found in John, the fourth chapter, where Jesus Christ met a woman at a well. And they had this long discussion, but at the end of the discussion, her life was forever changed. She found living water. You know, at the beginning of the discussion, she thought it was all about physical water, but really that is not what Jesus Christ was offering her. He was offering to provide or to quench her spiritual thirst. Our, our spiritual thirst can only be quenched in Jesus Christ. And she found Jesus that day, and it says that she went back to her town, and when she went back to her town, she shared with them her testimony. Her testimony. And her testimony was what Jesus Christ had done in her life. You know, I hope that you've met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I hope that you know Him in a personal way. And I hope that you have a testimony of what God has done in your heart, in your life. And this is the good news. When you've met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know it. You don't have to guess about it. You don't have to wonder about it. You know it in your heart. Even God's Word teaches us that He has given us some testimonies to help us know that we are saved. The testimony of the Holy Spirit and the testimony of God's Word that affirms in our heart and life that we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. This morning, as, I, we, begin, as we begin, I want to ask you a question, a question that I want to, you to think about. This is the question I want you to think about this morning. What do you think of when you hear the word grace? What do you think of when you hear the word grace? grace. I know in my own life, if you're like me, when I hear the word grace, the first thing that comes to my heart and my mind is salvation. Is that true in your life? Is that what you thought of first this morning when I mentioned the word grace? It reminds me of that hymn that we have been singing in our churches for years and years, Amazing Grace, 
how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. When's the last time you just stopped and thought about the grace of God? You know, as I get older, I am convinced that I need God's grace in my life more and more every day. This morning, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to sing one stanza of that great old hymn. And as we sing that stanza this morning, I want you to think clearly about the words. I've asked Brother Andy to come and help me. He didn't know this. He didn't know it until the first service, but he ran up here in the second service, so I'm assuming that he, uh, he thought I was going to do it again. So we're going to sing together Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see you can be seated this morning you can go home this morning and tell everyone you were a part of the choir today. All right? What did you think when we were singing that song? As I was singing that song this morning and as we were singing that song just now, what came to my mind was this. Indeed, God's grace is amazing. Isn't that true today? If you've experienced God's grace in your heart and in your life, you know exactly what I mean this morning when I say that God's grace is amazing. Did you know that the word grace only appears five times in the four gospel accounts? Are you surprised by that? I was when I read that this week. I thought to myself, you would think a word that is that, that's that important to our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ would appear far more than just five times in the gospel accounts. Wouldn't you think that would be true? I would. It appears one time in the gospel of Luke, and it appears four times in the gospel of John. Now, I believe the reason that is I believe the reason that word is only found five times in the gospel is because of this. Because Jesus Christ was grace in the human flesh. If you had grace standing before you, why do you need to write about it? Just call him by his name. Because Jesus Christ reveals God's grace to us, doesn't he? Sure he does. 
As a matter of fact, we're going to look at that passage of Scripture this morning that is found in John where that word appears four different times. So if you have your Bibles, please open them to John, the first chapter. John, the first chapter. And in just a few moments, we're going to be reading this text that the word grace appears in four different times. But as you're turning your Bibles there, let me just share with you a little bit about what John is writing in this particular passage of Scripture. In this passage of Scripture, John is going to share three attributes about God that are revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. First, John is going to say to us that Jesus Christ reveals the glory of God. In the Bible, the word glory means brilliant, shining light. In the Old Testament, God's glory, His presence, was referred to as, by the word, Shekinah glory of God. This word is probably best captured when we say that the, the spotlight is on a person. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ revealed God's glory to us in human flesh. It was as though God's glory was a spotlight shining in and through the life of Jesus Christ. Second, John is going to say Jesus reveals the goodness of God to us. Throughout Scripture, God has revealed to us as a good father, isn't he? Isn't sometime our understanding of who God is is skewed? Sometimes it's skewed by our earthly father, isn't it? Sometimes when we think of God, we think of God as this person who is way up in the sky just waiting to whack us on the hand when we step out of line. Isn't that how we view God sometimes? But I can tell you that is the furthest thing from the truth. God is revealed to us throughout the Bible as a good father who desires to give his children good gifts. God very clearly revealed his goodness to us through the person of Jesus Christ. The last one is that Jesus reveals God's grace to us. That is what John is going to say. Jesus was grace in the human flesh. If you honestly want to know what Jesus Christ, I mean, what grace looked like, just look at Jesus Christ. You have a picture in Jesus Christ of who or what God's grace looked like. So I want us to begin reading here in verse 14, and I want us to read through verse 18, John chapter 1, verse 14. Listen to what he says here. John says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and of truth. Now I want us to just stop right there for a moment because this verse of Scripture is packed full of one truth after another. As a matter of fact, John starts with these words, and the Word became flesh. Now we have a word for what John is talking about in this verse of Scripture. It is called the incarnation. It literally means that Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven. He gave up His glory in heaven. He came here to earth. He wrapped Himself in human flesh. 
He became obedient even to the point of death on a cross. Jesus is God in the human flesh. And it says in this passage of Scripture that He dwelt among us. That word dwelt is a very unique word. It literally means that Jesus Christ came to earth and He tabernacled among us. He pitched His tent among mankind. I love that, don't you? Aren't you so grateful that God loved you and I so much that He was willing to come down to earth? He was willing to rub shoulders with us. He was was willing to very clearly reveal to us who God was in the human flesh. Aren't you grateful for that today? I am. I'm grateful that God loved me so much that He was willing to reveal Himself to me in His Son, Jesus Christ. Now you tell me this morning, what other God has ever done that? You want to talk about grace. God loved us so much that He was willing to give up His position in heaven, come to earth, wrap Himself in human flesh, show us what it was to live the perfect life, and then willingly go to a cruel cross, hang there and die. And on the third day, He rose from the grave for the forgiveness of sin. That's how much God loves you and loves me. I've often told people in a time of challenging circumstances, if they ever have the question, does God really love me? The only thing they really need to do is just look at the cross. There is no greater picture of love than the cross of Jesus Christ. Really, if you want to spell the word cross, the best way to spell the word cross is L-O-V-E. Because really, that's what it spells. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's a lot of things we can question in this life, but there is one thing we can never ever question, and that is the extent of God's love for you and I. The clear teaching of God's Word from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, it's God loves us, and because He loves us, He desires a relationship for us. He was not willing to leave us as we were. He has done everything that is necessary for anyone who's willing to come to Jesus Christ in faith and trust in Him and Him alone for their salvation. He will have a relationship with Him. That's the simple truth of God's Word. That's the truth of God's Word. Now go back to this passage of Scripture because he says, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
Now listen to what he says here in verse 15. John bore witness about him and cried out that this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Now when you read that, I don't know about you, that seems a little bit puzzling, right? How can someone be born after me but would come before me? Well, he's simply saying that Jesus Christ was eternal. John is saying, I'm not the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the eternal God in the human flesh. He existed before I ever came, is what he's saying. Now listen to verse 16. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Please don't misunderstand what John is writing here. As one of my seminary professors used to tell me, there is as much grace in the Old Testament as there is in the New Testament. You can find grace written on every page of the Old Testament if you know where to look. God has always dealt with mankind out of grace. If you don't believe He's dealt with mankind out of grace, just go back to the creation story. Look at Adam and Eve's fall in the garden, and you tell me after they willfully chose to break the commandment of God that God did not deal with them out of grace. He even offers them continually an opportunity to have a relationship with Him. That is grace. Do you see what I'm saying? Now this is the amazing thing. God hasn't changed since the beginning of time. God still offers anyone grace who is willing to receive it. Now listen to what he says here. Verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Now, this is what I want you to do for me this morning. On your device or in your Bible, whichever one you have, I want you to jump back up to verse 16. And I want you to listen to this verse closely. For from his fullness, that is Jesus Christ's fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. As I sit in my office thinking about that verse of Scripture and thinking about that phrase, we have all received grace upon grace. It's as though John is say, saying that the grace of God is stacked up in the believer's life on a daily basis. I think initially we all understand that in salvation, God has related to us in grace. Would you agree with me on that this morning? Yeah. I think we all realize that none of us could ever earn or deserve what it is that God has given us in Christ Jesus the Lord. We can never earn or deserve the salvation that God has given to us. I like what or how some people have defined that word grace. Some people define it as God's riches at Christ's expense. Others say, no, that grace is God's unmerited favor. 
I like to say this, grace is getting what we don't deserve. Isn't that so true? Can any of us deserve a relationship with a holy God? Is that even possible for a finite sinful people to ever deserve a relationship with a holy sovereign God of the universe? Is that even possible? But oftentimes that is what people believe. They think somehow in their minds, in their hearts, they've got to work and earn their salvation. And they do it through good works. They do it through religion. They do it through baptism. They do it through church attendance. But I can promise you today, none of those things make us right with God. If we could be right with God through doing things, good works, religious activity, why in the world would God ever have to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to hang and die on a cross? What kind of God would ever do that? Think about it for a moment. If we could be saved any other way than by the grace of God, why would God sacrifice His Son? You do know God did sacrifice His Son. He willingly gave up His Son for you and I. What kind of God would that be? In His Son, Jesus Christ, God offered us something that we could never earn or deserve. But have you ever thought about the fact that God continues to relate to you and I every day in His grace? You know, sometimes I think it's so easy for us to forget we are saved by grace, and once we are saved, we continue to live by God's grace. Because sometimes I think what we believe is we are saved by grace, but then all of a sudden we've got to do something each and every day to earn God's favor. Don't we do that? Isn't that so true in our lives? Don't we go to bed at night wondering, well, have I done enough today? Did I behave correctly enough? As though those things to determine our relationship with the Lord. And it doesn't. Our relationship with the Lord from the time we are saved to the time we leave this earth and one day we stand in the presence of Jesus Christ is all based in God's grace. That's what John said He said, in His fullness, we receive grace upon grace upon grace upon grace each and every day of our life. God's grace never stops flowing into the heart and the life of the believer. He continues to extend it to us each and every day. Now, if that is true... If God continues to extend His grace to you and I each and every day, what does that say about our relationship with others? Parents, what does that say about our relationship with our children? What does that say about our relationship with our co-workers? Husband and wife, what does that say about our relationship with one another? 
What does that say to a lost and dying world as we relate to them? Shouldn't we extend to them the same amount of grace that God has extended to us? Should we? I think we should. This morning, I want to talk to you about living in God's grace. If you have your Bibles, please turn them quickly over to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. As he prepares to close this letter to the church at Corinth, He's going to remind them of the message that he first delivered to them. As a matter of fact, he refers to it as the message of first importance. He's referring to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose from the, thir- rose from the grave on the third day for the forgiveness of sin. You know that is the gospel message. That Jesus Christ died, he was buried, and he rose from the grave. He shares with them about that gospel message that he spoke to them of first importance. But I want you to listen to how Paul closes this passage of Scripture. Read with me in verses 9, 10, and 11. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. That is one of the most powerful statements in all of God's Word. Paul recognizes it has nothing to do with himself. It has everything to do with God's grace in his life. Paul understands that he is completely and totally unworthy. That he is sinful. And that he does not deserve what it is that God has given him. He says, by the grace of God, I am who I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. In other words, Paul is saying, it was not worthless. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that, was, that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. This morning, I want to make two statements to you this morning from this verse of Scripture, verse 10, about living in, the, in God's grace. Number one, living in God's grace continually reminds me of who I am. Living in God's grace should remind us as followers of Jesus Christ who we truly are. Did you notice what Paul said in this passage of Scripture? Paul said, by the grace of God, I am who I am. Paul realized he deserved absolutely nothing from God. As a matter of fact, in verse 9, Paul said that he was the least of all the apostles. In Paul, there was a sense of unworthiness. Paul understood at the very core of the gospel message was that one word, grace. Now look at me this morning, okay? 
at any point in time we add anything to salvation, we nullify the grace of God in our lives. You know that, right? It can never ever be grace plus works. It can never be grace plus religious activity. It can never be grace plus baptism. It is either by grace or it is not by grace that we are saved. Paul said, I am who I am simply by the grace of God. And my question for you this morning is, have you come to that realization in your life? That you are absolutely unworthy of anything that God has given to you. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life I take my salvation for granted. Am I the only one that does that? I think we all do at times, don't we? Paul was never a man who took his salvation for granted. When I hear the words of the Apostle Paul in verses 9 and 10, it is so unlike some of the modern-day Christian leaders who love to toot their own horns. If anyone had the right to shout his own praises, it was the Apostle Paul. I mean, after all, he had been called by God to the Gentiles. He had been given a special assignment by God Himself. He had been beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, hungry, cold, and destitute for the gospel. However, instead of boasting in himself, he chose to boast in the grace of God. It was the grace of God that Paul experienced in, experienced in his life that led him to walk in humility before the Lord. The daily experience of God's grace was a continual reminder to Paul of who he was. Now, let's be real honest this morning. Isn't that really challenging? We live in a world that impresses upon us the importance of elevating self. The world says if we are going to get anywhere in life, it will only happen as we promote self. Isn't that true? Isn't that what the world says to us? Well, that may be true for the world, but it should never be true for the believer. Walking with God and experiencing His grace on a daily basis should continually make us aware of our unworthiness and sinfulness, creating in us humility. We should never, ever fool ourselves into believing that we are somebody. We should echo the words of the Apostle Paul, by the grace of God, I am who I am. Can I ask you a question this morning, believer? If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I know He lives in my heart. Can we just be honest for a moment? Can we honestly ask ourselves the question today, have we come to that understanding in our life? There is nothing that we receive from God's hand that any of us will ever deserve and earn in this life. 
And as a result of that, as we walk in God's grace daily, it should affect our relationship with other people. We should offer the same amount of grace to others that God has offered to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. Living in God's grace continually reminds us of who I am. Number two, living in God's grace leads me to serve the Lord with all of my passion and my strength. One more time, listen carefully. Living in God's grace leads me to serve the Lord with all my passion and my strength. Now follow me here. Don't lose what I'm fixing to say. We are not saved by good works. The clear teaching of Scripture this morning is we are saved by grace through faith. That's what Paul tells us in Ephesians, the second chapter in verses 8 and 9. But when it comes to salvation, we bring absolutely nothing to the table. Salvation is wholly a work of God. As many of you have heard me say a number of different times, it is Jesus Christ who does the saving, and it is Jesus Christ who does the keeping. We do not save ourselves. We don't keep ourselves saved. However, once we have experienced God's grace in our life, we should serve the Lord with every ounce of passion and strength that we have. There is nothing sadder to me than to watch believers use their gifts, talents, abilities, time, money, and resources to build the world's kingdom rather than God's kingdom. Uh Uh-oh. Watch out, huh? But isn't that oftentimes what we do? It's as though we are working to build our own little heaven right here on earth. And that's where we put all of our energies and our efforts. Listen, folks, the grace of God is meant to have an impact on a person's lifestyle. The extent which we realize God's grace toward us is the extent to which we will love God by serving Him. Let me say it one more time. Listen to it carefully. The extent to which we realize God's grace toward us is the extent to which we will love God by serving Him. If you want to know how much of God's grace you have truly experienced in your life, look at your service unto the Lord. Now, don't misunderstand me this morning. We all know people that serve out of obligation. Isn't that true? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those people who have a genuine love for the Lord and a desire to serve Him. If you want to look and determine how much of God's grace you have realized in your life, just look at your service unto the Lord. When you have experienced the full impact of God's grace in your life, you will say like Paul, I worked harder than any of them. Though not I, but the grace of God that was 
with me. Walking in grace leads us to serve the Lord with every ounce of my passion and strength. As I close this morning, I want to conclude by asking you two questions. The first question that I would ask you this morning is this. Have you experienced God's saving grace in your life? Now, some of you here this morning may be saying, well, I don't know if I have or I'm not. Well, let me tell you this. If you have truly experienced God's grace in your life, you will know it. And there's no doubt about it in your life. You cannot experience God's grace in your life and not know it with assurance. The second question I would ask this morning is this. Believer, are you living daily in the grace of God? As you walk with the Lord, is there a continual reminder in your life of who you are? Do you realize that you are unworthy? And as you realize that you are unworthy, it affects how you relate to other people. Are you serving God with every ounce of strength and passion that you have? Or are you choosing to build the kingdom of the world rather than the kingdom of God? I am convinced of this. Every single person falls in one of two categories. We are either world builders or we are kingdom builders for God. What are you doing with what God has given you? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word and the way it speaks to our hearts. We thank you for the truth of your word concerning your grace. Father, as we enter into this time of invitation, I pray that you would lead, guide, and direct us through your spirit. Lord, if there are people here this morning who have never experienced your grace, they've never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life, I pray today would be the day that they turn to you in faith. Father, if there are people here this morning who are believers, but maybe they're not walking daily in your grace. Father, they're not recognizing on a daily basis who they are. They're not passionately serving you as you would desire for them to serve. Lord, I pray today would be the day that they redirect their life with the power of your Spirit at work in and through them. Father, you have your way during this time of invitation. You be honored and glorified through everything that takes place. And we pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.